Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm the host of the show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders themselves and experts in the field of self-leadership, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello, everyone. Today, I am talking again to a wonderful guest, a truly legendary leader. Her name is Simone Knego, and she's the author of the best-selling book, The Extraordinary Unordinary You. What a fantastic title is that, right? She's also a motivational speaker, a mother to six children and an entrepreneur. In her book, she details her journey of adopting three of her six children, her climb of Mount Kilimanjaro, and all of the funny, scary, and inspiring stories that came along the way. These are the stories that we touch up on today in our episode, in particular what she learned from her climb up Kilimanjaro, how she came to adopt three of the children, and her lessons learned from it. We also talk about What you may be interested in, um, how she, as a mother of six, as a partner, as an entrepreneur, has really gone through this year so far in a pandemic, right? How she has still kept building strong human connections, in particular in her own family, and what it looks like to have a family that is so connected. But also, how can we build strong human connections with other people in organizations, outside of organizations, and all the small steps we can take intentionally every day to do so? We are going to talk about how to identify who the real you is and how we can really live and embrace our own authenticity. And last but not least, we talk about some mirror moments and what it means to have mirror moments every day. And how we can build proper purpose in our lives and walk through our lives with far more intention every day. So stay tuned if you're interested in those topics, if you want to learn more about it. But most importantly, if you want to get to know Simone, such a beautiful and amazing human being. So I speak to you in a moment again. Stay tuned. So hi, Simone. So good to have you here. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here today. Tell how you have been in this crazy last year. Yeah, it's it's been a bit tough. We've really been staying home. What whatever the rules are, we are we're really trying to do our part and one of our kids has an autoimmune disorder and so from the beginning we really made the decision as a family that we're not going to be going to anywhere even if it is open we're we're staying home and so that's what we've been doing other than work and school but not in terms of socially we've been isolated for the last year yeah which is weird <laughs> it it is weird and from a very human perspective you know when when it all started last year in march in the uk i was kind of still optimistic positive i thought well let's get on with it but also months later we learned we were pregnant so it was a completely different situation right or i was pregnant i always say we so it was kind of something to look forward to but now more than a year in i have to admit i feel drained i really struggle to keep myself motivated positive and energized we haven't seen our family for part of the family for over a year and i find it very very tough you know 
Yeah, it is tough. My my sister lives in Switzerland, so we haven't seen her mm. for more than over a year. Yeah. And it's definitely a huge change that, that this such an important piece is the human connection piece. Mm. And this is now our connection, right? Uh, yes. the, the video meetings. I mean, and thankfully we have this. I mean, imagine if we didn't, how even more difficult it would be. So uh, fortunately, we have we have Zoom and we have video conferencing, so we can see each other's faces. Yeah, thank God for that. But you yeah. have obviously a fantastic opportunity to connect at home. <laughs> you have quite a, a, a vibrant <laughs> environment at home. You have six children, three of those you adopted. So I can only imagine that it is quite. Um, noisy, quite entertaining in your home. So what was uh, the last year like for you as a family being isolated at home? It was actually great because the older kids, they were away at school. The The three older kids were away at school. And last March when everything shut down, they all had to come home. And it was not ever, you know, that I think since the time they were three, I would say to them, once you're out, you're not coming back. Um, <laughs> and of course, I don't really mean that, but it was kind of like, you know, you need to find your way. Obviously, they had to come home. And it was fantastic because the conversations at the dinner table that we never would have had and we were home, home. It wasn't like we were home and then they got to go out. They were, we were family game night and Everybody had their their chores for the dinner table. Like it was kind of, it was actually fun to watch. But, you know, it's it's hard as for them in their early 20s, late teens, they're supposed to be starting their lives. And, mm. you know, here they are back home again. Now, now they're back at school again, which is good. But it was, for us, it was really nice to kind of have that connection point that we wouldn't have had mm. in any other realm because- our oldest, he's 24. So he doesn't come home. He comes home for vacation sometimes, but not, not to move back into the house for sure. But I think they, I think they really did enjoy it because we reconnected as a family. And actually, because we have such a difference in age range with our kids, the oldest and the youngest and, you know, everybody in between had this opportunity to kind of connect at a different level. I mean, Jacob's been gone for six years now. So and came, coming home for that extended period of time really allowed him to truly connect with the other kids. Brilliant. So how old is the youngest? The youngest is 13 now. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, you have 11 years in between. Yeah. You mentioned before and that you connected on a very different level and actually the, the word connection was now mentioned quite a few times, yes. right? And I love it in particular, yes. human yeah. connection. <laughs> Finally, we talk about that again. We talk about how to really talk and connect with each other from a human to human perspective, which is wonderful. Not just looking at our phones, TV screens. What exactly has changed when you connected, when you sat around the dinner table, what felt different there? We had, we had so much time. <laughs> like they had to talk to us, which was great, <laughs> you know? And that's definitely one of the rules is no phones at the dinner table, mm -hmm. which I think is really important mm -hmm. because when we're having these periods of time where we want, we want to talk to each other. We want to find out what's happening in their lives and talk about the world and what they think about what's happening in the world. And those were probably some of the most interesting conversations. It's amazing what you can learn from a 13-year-old what her perspective of the world is and, mm. and the things she comes forward with. And, you know, until we had those conversations, I didn't realize like how much, again, the internet, what it brings to you, right? How much, how much she knew about so many different things that we were like, wow, this is pretty impressive. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I want to pick up on a few things you've just mentioned because they are so important in every part of life. The first one is you made a conscious effort to communicate, to share stories, to show interest in each other, to learn from the younger ones as well and gain new insights. And you cannot believe how many very senior leaders I'm talking to at the moment who throughout a workshop I'm running with them, they say, I should perhaps listen more to my children <laughs> or to the younger folks at work or, or whoever it is, you know. The second thing is to really keep connecting and to see how special it is to share those wonderful moments together, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Brilliant. And as I said before, in those human connections where we don't have the phones necessarily around us and we just focus on each other and listen, how vital. So I want to talk a little bit more about the extraordinary, unordinary you. You have written this a wonderful book and you have adopted three children. You have climbed Mount Kilimanjaro mm -hmm. and you have done so many other amazing things. And I remember in our pre-chat, I said you had there's so much choice to talk about when it comes to legendary leadership here with you. Um, so I really want to focus on you and particularly your big why, your purpose, your drivers in your life. So I've just mentioned a few of those extraordinary things that you have done, choices that you have made. And I would just love to hear from you a little bit more about what drives you, what's your big why in life? It took me a long time to figure out my my big why in life. And I think I have figured it out, which, which is a positive. For so long, I went through just kind of going through the motions. Like, this is what's expected of me. This is what I have to do. And that was what I put on me. I'm not saying anybody else said to me, oh, this is what you have to do. I'm like, no, this is what's expected of me. And I didn't really see my why, my purpose. And finally, I realized it's what I love to do and is tell stories. It's really sharing, going back to human connection. I know I say it a lot, but I think it's so important that We share our struggles. We share our happy times, our shiny moments. All of those things are so important to making connections with people because our stories truly define us. Our stories connect us. And it took a lot of time and discussion to kind of come to that point where I was like, wait, I do matter. The choices that I'm making every day really do impact the people around me and that it's not just about me. It really isn't about me. It's about the impact that I can have on other people. Mm. And that's what I love. And that's why I love sharing my stories. And And I, I didn't believe in myself for a very long time. I really struggled seeing my value. And I had a, a bit of a turning point. And that kind of said to me, you don't need to worry about what anybody else is thinking. You don't need to compare yourself to anybody else. You need to be you because each of us as individuals have so much to offer to the world. And I fully agree, but it's so much easier said than done. You need to be you. Mm -hmm. A, sometimes we don't know who that you is, yeah. right? We, we kind of disconnected to ourselves and or from ourselves. And now it's kind of like, okay, how can we find out who we really are? What's the core of us? So it's quite difficult or it can be quite difficult to reconnect. How did you do it? What was your path? Yeah, I... It is difficult and it is an ongoing piece. Mm. It's not like all of a sudden that you, you flip on a light switch and say, okay, I'm good with everything now. <laughs> I wish, I wish, but no, it doesn't work that way. You know, I had a moment where I was 
sitting at this women's luncheon and there was a motivational speaker and I was struggling with my own things that I struggle with my life, not, not fitting into the clothes that I wanted to wear to go to this event, you know, just really not feeling good about myself. And as I sat there listening to the speaker, all I could think of was, well, that will never be me. Instead of instead of being motivated, and she was motivational. It has nothing to do with her. It was it had to do with me that I really sat there just kind of comparing my life and saying, and I had amazing things in my life. I just didn't see them that way. And really listening to her speak and and then saying, wait, wait, that'll never be me. And that's the whole point that we are not supposed to be someone else. And sure, we can work towards accomplishing different goals, but it's not about being someone that we're not. And so that was kind of like the beginning of my change in mindset of that. We don't need to change who we are. We need to change the way we see ourselves. And so really, you know, I do these these affirmations, you know, in the morning talking to myself and finding one thing that I like about myself that day could be more than one, but you know, I don't want to get too, you know, overexcited there. So, you know, I, I, I mean, and there's always, you know, what I, when I look back, things that I struggled with, I couldn't even take a compliment. Like someone would say to me, wow, Simone, your hair looks great. And I'm like, oh no, it's just, it's too frizzy. Well, okay. Someone goes out of their way to compliment you Mm -hmm. say, thank you. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they are going, they're not saying, they don't have to say anything. They're saying it because they want to. And because they feel that way. And that in itself really was a huge change for me, being able to accept a compliment. And sometimes I still have to be, I have to take a step back and say, okay, thank you. Because sometimes I'm still not feeling that great about certain things. But I really do, you know, I call it mirror moments where I really look in the mirror and I say to myself, you know, these are the things that I'm going to focus on today. These, these are the positive things that are, are happening. And these, if I start my day with positivity, it really helps me kind of move through with positivity throughout my day. Mm, such an important setup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all intentional. Uh- it's all intentional. It's not, it doesn't just happen. Yeah. Especially as life happens, right? And I can, can well imagine in, in your life with everything that you have around you and everybody you have around you, there are ups and downs. Yeah. We, we joke that it's a reality show every day and it's sometimes it's uh, organized chaos and sometimes it's just chaos. You just don't know what it's going to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, my mom would say to me, like, I don't, I don't understand how this doesn't stress you out. Like, how are, how are you not? I said, oh my gosh, if I'm going to stress out about every little thing that happens, I'm not going to be able to get through my day. So I say to her that I can only stress about the things that I can control. That's not so many things. So therefore I don't get freaked out all the time because I can't, if I worried about everything again, I wouldn't get through my day at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned two things beforehand. The first thing is change the way you see yourself, basically, or how you feel about yourself and having an impact on others. Mm-hmm. So if you positively change the way you see yourself, what impact on others do you have and how does that change? Yeah, I really think that when you change, when you realize that and believe in yourself, when you, when you realize that you you really do have value because everyone has value, the world opens up to you. I really think you interact differently with people. You're willing to take more risks, say hi to people, have conversations that you might have been afraid to have before because you know that when you have something to say that it does matter. And 
everybody has a story. Everybody's story can impact someone else. And it's important to realize that when you have these conversations with people, simple things, say hi in the morning. Mm -hmm. I joke about, you know, getting in the elevator. Okay. Obviously we're not getting into elevators right now, but you know, people stare straight ahead. It's one of those most awkward things where people don't want to say hi to each other. I'm like, what is different? Because we stepped on an elevator. But I think it's so important that we, we realize when we change the way we see ourselves, when we realize we have value, it really does. It changes kind of everything around us and people Mm -hmm. notice. Yeah. Uh, And it really puts a smile on people's faces. But yet something is holding some of us back to do so. Even now, when we are not connected face to face, right? You would still, or we still go for our regular walks in a socially distanced way. And when people walk past us, we usually say, hello, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a small town here. So why not? And there are quite a few who really love it and respond and start chatting to you. And then there are quite a few who look at you really surprised. So for some, it seems to be really hard to do that and to step out of their way. So it's like yeah, overcoming think, something. Yeah, obstacle. I think there's multiple fears right now. Okay, mm. fear of do we talk to people? It's we're in the middle of a pandemic. What can happen? Mm. And then I think there's also the fear of what if that person doesn't want to talk back? It's funny. I had a friend who, after he read my book, he's like, okay, because he loves the elevator story. It cracked him up. So, <laughs> and he's a physician. And he said, you know, I go through the hospital with my head down, going to point A to point B to point C. And I don't really, say hi, because I'm really just trying to get my, my job done. And I'm like, oh, you're missing so much of the world. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I got on the elevator the other day and I said hi to people. And he's like, I think they looked at me like I had lost my mind. And I said, <laughs> you know why? I was like, because for the last 20 years, you've been getting in that same elevator and never speaking to anyone. So it's going to take time, but you should continue to do it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. And yeah. it applies to each and every one of us. I think sometimes pe- people feel they don't have enough time. Like mm-hmm. they they just want to, again, they're going to get their coffee. They don't have time for a conversation. I always feel like you should make the time for the conversation. I worked for a while in medical sales. And so I was going into the operating room at the hospital and I was walking with my husband one day through the hall and people would say, hey, Simone, hey, Simone, like three people in a row. And he's like, how do you know these people? And I was like, it's called a conversation. And he's like, I've worked here forever. I was like, do you ever talk to anybody? He's like, well, no. I was like, well, you should. They have really interesting stories. (laughs) And he was like, that's hilarious that they, they know you, but they don't know me. And I've worked here 20 years and you've worked here two months. I'm like, yes, you say hi to, I say hi to everyone. I talk to everyone because I want to learn their stories. I want to learn about them because I truly believe you learn something from everyone you meet. Yeah. I, I, I love the word curiosity. Be curious in the most positive way about other people's stories and listen, listen. Yeah. Yes. Truly listen. Don't just ask and then run away. It's the typical example here in the UK. How are you doing? Yeah. Okay. I'm gone. I'm gone. Mm -hmm. So I started this part of the conversation of our conversation off with your drivers, your motivators, your purpose. And we started talking about that, Mm -hmm. but I would love to dive a little bit deeper. So again, you adopted three of your children, you climbed Kilimanjaro, you wrote a book amongst many, many other things. So I would love you to dive into those three areas in particular and explain a little bit what drove you to make those decisions. So 
adopting the kids, that was really, it goes back to a conversation that my husband and I had that, and and this is what we still believe is that they're just, there's so many amazing kids in the world just waiting for a family to love them. And we knew we could be that family and our other kids were on board. We, we made it so that they were part of the process. It was very important for us because we're talking a village now, right? Like when they say it takes a village to raise a child, when you have six kids, you need like the extra large village. (laughs) And so the, so we wanted, you know, all the kids to be part of the process. So Mm -hmm. we actually would vote each time. And for the last adoption, when we adopted Millie, and we didn't know we were just putting in our application. So the way it works, you put in an application and they, match you with a child. So you can put in like parameters. Like I, you know, we had, and it doesn't really matter though. Like we had requested a boy between four years old and eight years old, something like that. And we ended up getting matched with Millie, who was two and a half years old at the time and obviously a girl. But when we sat down for our vote instantly, my daughter, the one who's home right now, mm-hmm. uh, wrote down her answer before I even really finished. And I said, Olivia, you didn't hesitate when you voted yes. And she said, mom, we're talking about the life of another child. How could anyone vote no? So goosebumps. Yeah. And, you know, so when we talk about, you know, purpose and a big part of my purpose is raising good humans. I mean, that's my Mm -hmm. ultimate, ultimate goal is to raise to raise good humans, but kind of our motivation for adoption was just, you know, we, when we, once we adopted Noah, I mean, our lives were chaos then with four kids. And we said, but we, but we can still do more. We can still, we can still do this. And so we did it again at once we got to six kids, we're like, the minivan is full. Like there is no more space. This is, you know, and the kids would vote yes today. If I, if we brought it up again today, they would vote yes today, which is an amazing thing. I'm loving this. And it shows you have raised good humans. Yeah, I think they're. I think they are good. Hum- they are good humans. They're great humans. But just like everything, everything's a, a work in in progress. And mm-hmm. until they realize too that they're good humans, I think the older ones are are realizing that as as I watch their interactions with other people, how important it is for them to the kindness, the compassion piece, mm-hmm. the empathy piece. When I watch them interact, I think that they've got that and. You know, the little ones will, they're not so little, but, you know, they see what their older siblings are are doing. And I think it's its a really powerful thing. Now, you um, hear all sorts of stories about adoptions that work out really well, but also those stories that were far more challenging, in particular, when it comes to the point of building human connections among family members. So what, what were your steps that you took to build true connection among the children in particular? So I think sometimes what happens, we were very fortunate in that. So our son, who's from South Korea, he was in foster care. So he understood what love was. And then our two children from Ethiopia, they were in a family before some horrific thing happened and therefore had to be uh, relinquished. So they understood what, what love was. So that was kind of a starting point, but they also experienced extreme loss, right? I mean, they're starting at a place of loss and we have to build from there, not rebuild because we're not going to replace anything, but, mm-hmm. but building you know, small steps like every day was something different. Ari struggled when he first came home at four and a half with, he would just shut down. And obviously he didn't speak English at the time. And we had about 10 words that in his language and 
you know, really trying to figure out why he would shut down. The first time it happened was at the orphanage and they were trying to feed him rice. And this is a kid who's truly starving, would not eat the rice. And they're like trying to put it into his mouth. And I was like, there's obviously something that's bothering him about this. Can we just let it go? He, he literally stared at the wall for two hours. You couldn't get him to change what he was doing. And they did, they, they stopped feeding him, but you know, he, he still doesn't eat rice, which is fascinating, right? Like, so he's 16 years old. He still doesn't eat rice. He doesn't know why he doesn't eat it. We've had many conversations about it, but there was obviously something that happened that he just won't eat it. Mm. And it was just patience. Like it took, you know, again, one small little thing opening up and then the next thing happened and the next thing happened. And, you know, after a while we could say to him, no, you're not going to shut down. If there's something that's bothering you, you need to use your words so we can fix it. And then, you know, a year later, it stopped. Like there was no more shutdown staring at the wall for two hours. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, took a, it took a long time. And with Millie, when she came home, you know, she was two and a half and she, the sleeping part, you know, this is now a child six. So basically when we started with her sleeping, because she had to be on top of me all of the time, she, she couldn't move away for two seconds where it would be a panic. And I get it. So we started by she would sleep on top of me in bed and then she would sleep next to me. And then we moved a playpen next to the bed. And then we moved the playpen up into her sister's room. And then we moved her into her own room. And guess what? She's like an amazing sleeper, but you know, we took the time to go through what they really needed to kind of mm-hmm. get to those points. And it's not easy, you know, like there's, it's, it's tough because they've gone through so many things in their lives that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And Sure. Would I love to fix everything? doesn't work that way. So we do our best. And that's what we do as parents. We do our best. Again, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do our best, right? Yeah. yeah. What I find really astonishing, though, is how you seem to be so patient and you really lift this approach, small steps, one step after the other. How do you keep yourself connected to your true self as a mother, as a woman in life as well? You know, I have moments that are (laughs) not completely connected to my true self. I mean, I have friends that say to me, I I don't understand how you can be this patient. Well, what choice do I have? I have to be this patient, right? I mean, I want to go through life being happy. I have a choice every day. I can choose to be happy and I can choose to be miserable. If I'm not going to be patient, I am going to be miserable because Mm -hmm. all of these things are going to bother me. So I decided that a long time ago when Noah came home, Noah is... 14 years old. He was four months old. He's from South Korea. He was truly an amazing little baby. And he cried about every, every, everything. When we flew home from Seoul to Chicago, he cried for 16 out of the 18 hours on the flight. And there was nothing you could do. And I had to learn how, like, I thought I had patience after three kids. I had to completely relearn the idea of patience. And understand that each of us is different and that we have to figure out what's going to work. And it took me a long time with him to figure out what's going to work. And he, he, he cried all the time and it was for the older kids. It was hard too, you know? And so we figure out how to work around things. So they each had like headphones when we sat in the car. So when he cried through a two hour car ride, cause there was nothing you could do, you know, they had their headphones on. And so that worked. But really figuring <laughs> the things that we go through, right? And that was child four. And we said, oh, this is amazing. Let's do it again. So mm-hmm. uh, that will tell you that it's uh, all of these things that we go through 
that they just make us stronger as humans, you know, especially if we look at it that way, that we can look at things, any failures we have, any mistakes we have and, and feel like we can't move forward. For me, I look at it as how can I do better the next time? And at, in the moment, trust me, it's very hard. It's like, oh, you know, what, what happened here? How did this happen? But then you learn from it, you move forward and it, it makes you, it helps you with future decisions and interactions and all of those pieces. It also sounds like you became quite creative. Let's all get proper headphones. <laughs> Noise counseling, please. Yes, we, uh, we, we became creative in many ways, many ways, you know, but again, you do, you learn as a parent that you do what you need to do to get through certain things, you know, mm. and so we can never judge anyone because we don't know what they're going through, what their child is going through. You know, Noah has, Noah's on the autism spectrum and he is highly functioning, super smart, but there's certain things that bother him. And yep. so we tell him, you have to own it. Like when you turn on loud music, it bothers him. And so he says to people, I have autism. That sound is really bothering me. Would you mind turning it down instead of just doing the, Wah! which he used to do. So all of these skills that we, we all have to learn you know, to move through our lives. Oh, awesome. I actually recorded a few months back a show about autism. Mm. and the spectrum and the differences. And actually, my guest at the time, she only learned that she had autism in her 30s and felt kind of out of place for the majority of her life. So hearing how you approach it and how you ask Noah to really own it and to share what he needs. And needs is, is a topic that came up now quite a few times, right? Understanding each other's needs and acting upon them and so on and so forth is, is wonderful to hear. Yeah, I, th I think, again, all of us have to own who we are. That, mm. That's a big part of it. And when you ask someone, well, what is normal? N normal is all of us. Like we're all different. We're all yeah. unique. So to say, well, he doesn't fit in here. Well, no, he does. Like you just have to figure out these, these pieces and treat each other with kindness and respect again, because we never know what anybody else is going through. Yeah. I uh, fully agree. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing this story. Hard to move on to the next one, and that's Kilimanjaro. But I am very curious about your story here. What drove you to climb Kilimanjaro? And tell us a little bit about the challenges and learnings from this adventure. Yeah, that, that one was really about me. So when we talk about the self-care piece, and that one was definitely about me. My husband was asked to, to do it. A friend of his had climbed the year before with an organization that raised money and awareness for cancer patients. And my husband said, well, my, the way I tell the story is when his friend called him, he said, one, two, three, no, thank you. Call <laughs> Simone. And it, they did call me and I said, yes. Had I climbed anything before? No, <laughs> I live in a, I live at sea level. So that was like the, the first challenge. But to me, that was, that was the important piece is that it was a challenge mentally, physically. And I was at the point where I really felt like I believe in myself and I want to challenge myself in this respect because I think I can do it. And mm. so from the moment I committed to it, my mindset was, you are going to do this. It's not maybe. I had lots of people say, do you think you're going to make it to the top? Yeah, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> but many people ask me that and I get it. I mean, I am 
At the time I was 42 years old, I have six children. I wasn't in the best of shape. I was probably more in like the COVID shape that I am now, but then I I had six months to train and I really got myself in shape and really, you know, really focused on accomplishing this goal. And honestly, if I didn't make it, that would have been okay too. Wouldn't have been as great, but would have been okay too. Because again, I really look at things now is that I learned from a failure and move forward. And I don't even look at it as a failure. I look at it as as a bump in the road instead of a boulder in front of me. So I, yes, I said yes. And there were 16 of us on this trip. I didn't know anybody. I flew to Tanzania and I was paired with the best person to be paired with. Her name was Rhonda. She was my tent mate. So not only am I climbing with strangers, I'm now living in a small tent with a stranger. (laughs) (laughs) And they got it right. Like we got along so well and she was, she's a breast cancer survivor. She is an amazing person. And when you talk about resilience and ability to move forward, you're so, I was so inspired the whole time I was there because I'm with people who were cancer survivors. There were people that were cancer survivors or they were climbing in honor of someone who had passed or was currently in treatment and really an inspirational group. And when we talk about leadership, leadership at elevation, figuring out how you work together with a team, again, mm-hmm. people that I don't, I don't know how they like their coffee. Okay. Forget yeah. about how, how they interact it, you know, with each other. Do we move forward together? If someone is held back, do we all wait? If someone can't make it, do, do none of us go? Mm-hmm. So all of these decisions and you can't leave, like we're, we're in this space together. It's not like I can go back to my office. I'm, I'm here and I'm with these, these people. And it was such a amazing lesson in leadership, in collaboration, and then in understanding what we're capable of. And so when we summited, that's what I, that's all I could think about was that I was so thankful I had the opportunity to do this, to, to meet all of these amazing people and really to look back at every moment in my life that kind of brought me to that moment in time mm-hmm. to accomplish that, that goal. So all of the struggles I had, all the self-doubt that I, you know, lived with for years, I could really at that moment say it was all to get me to this point in time. So what happened on the way to kind of see that it was all worth it and, you know, that, that those self-doubts had been removed? What, what was the transformation that happened? I think really spending time with people who, I think perspective, perspective right? So like my struggles, they're still my struggles no matter what they are. But looking at, you know, my one friend who was on the trip, he was diagnosed with leukemia, I believe, when he was like 10 years old. And he was now in his late 20s. All of the things that he had gone through, he had 75 surgeries. He The cancer came back in his jaw. And so he had to have part of his jaw removed. And so all of these things that he had gone through, and he was so inspirational. He would always say, you can do this. Just one, It's just one more step. Like he no matter what he was struggling with, he was inspiring other people. And Mm -hmm. that really, that was so powerful to me. I think that really kind of changed my mindset. Not that my struggles weren't valid because our struggles, struggles are all valid, but the perspective of looking at what other people have gone through and what they're doing and how even with their own struggles, they're inspiring the people around them. So to me, that was really a pivotal moment. Yeah. Gosh, I'm loving this. 
And yet I'm trying to put myself into your shoes. <laughs> and being paired with a stranger, I share a small tent. Well, I assume it wasn't the biggest tent when you climb up Kilimanjaro. It was, it was, it was tiny. <laughs> with you. Uh, I'm sharing this tent and I'm connecting with people. I don't even know how they have their coffee about and, and all of these things. How, how do you connect? How do you get more and more kind of grown together? How do you build the sense of togetherness? Sharing our stories. I mean, that was really such a big piece is talking about why we were there, mm -hmm. talking about what we had been through in our lives, good, bad, funny. You know, again, I'm the mom of the group. So <laughs> even, even at the summit, like, I'm like, I think her lips look a little bit blue. I think we need to check her oxygen, you know, like all these things that like, that was still my role, you know, at the top, <laughs> but really we're walking for hours and hours each day. And so we would talk and learn about people's lives and you have nowhere else to go. So you are truly listening. And again, everybody's stories are so interesting. They're so fascinating and seeing the, the perseverance and everything that came through in their stories, it just was so powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have never had an adventure like this in my own life, right? Yet. 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 Yeah. Never say never. Never say never. Exactly. But what I do love is walking with people and listening to these people. And it really keeps you focused. It really gets your brain going and your creativity flowing. That's what, what I realize. And so, so I definitely understand the power of walk and talk. Yeah. If you could give some top tips to our listeners, how they can take a little bit of your Kilimanjaro story into their own lives, what would those top tips be? I think starting with don't doubt yourself. You know, it's okay to be scared of things, mm. but don't let fear stop you from moving forward. Mm. I think so many times in our lives, that's what we do. We're afraid of something. We're afraid of failure. So we're not even willing to try. In our house, we we have a saying, well, we don't use the word can't because can't means won't, which means you're not even going to try. So if you don't want to do something, that's fine. Say, I don't want to do it, but don't say I can't do it because that's a whole different narrative. Be willing to try. Say yes. When someone asks the question, say yes. I mean, you never know where it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead. And yeah. some of my, my best stories, my best conversations were saying yes to something that were, it was completely unexpected. Mm -hmm. Even with podcasts, I've been on some amazing ones where at first I was like, oh, I don't know if that's the right fit. And then I have a call with the person and then I'm like, this is the most amazing person I've ever met. And it wouldn't have happened if I didn't say yes. Mm -hmm. So, and always have, it, it goes back to the always, that human connection piece is so important. Yeah. Say hi. If they don't say hi back, that's okay too. Like you, you tried, but don't ever stop doing that. I say hi everywhere I go <laughs> and it has led to some amazing things. Mm -hmm. I, I'm absolutely loving this, right? And again, we talk about the small things in life. You don't have to turn everything around and change everything you're doing. It's about just introducing some small additions to your life. Yeah. I think starting, starting the morning being grateful and starting the morning thinking positively of how the day is going to go. I really, for me, that has changed so many things. I was having a bad day the other day and my daughter was like, are you okay? I'm like, 
and you know, she's, she's my 13 year old. I'm like, she's like, cause you don't seem okay. I'm like, well, I'm not really okay right now. And so I, you know, I, again, I took a step back the next morning when I got up, I said, you know what? doesn't matter. That is in the past. Today is a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And so I went up to her and I'm like, I'm going to have a really good day today. She's like, I'm so glad. <laughs> but I love that she actually recognizes it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, again, I really, I, th- I think I wear my heart on my sleeve now. Mm-hmm. So they know that if I'm frustrated with something, that it's a big deal. Actually, what my kids say is that uh, the worst thing, because I'm not a, I'm not a yeller. So the worst, I, I guess I have a look, I didn't know I had a look, but I have a look that I give. And the worst thing that I can do is say that I'm disappointed. They're like, that just crushes the heart. If I say that I'm disappointed in something, never in them, but in something that they did, they're like, oh, there's nothing worse coming from you. (laughs) But it, it shows how connected you are as a family. And, you know, thinking back to conversations I've had with couples, with families that have been like everyone else through this pandemic, there are quite a few who struggled, who did not build stronger connections, who are on the verge of separating, all of these things. And I think it's it's incredible what you have achieved here throughout your life and throughout the last year. Yeah, thank you. What I used to say is I'm just an ordinary girl. I've gotten rid of the just. I'm not just anything. I'm not just a housewife. I'm not just a stay-at-home mom. I'm not just an author. I'm all of these pieces make up who I am, but I am an ordinary girl. So the changes that I've made, the way I've changed, you know, how I've changed how I see myself, everybody can do this. You know, I'm not I'm just me. I am me. I'm not just. I keep saying it, mm. but I am I am me. Yes. You are you and the world is open to us and yeah you know, we're all unique and we all have extraordinary pieces within us. And we just have to realize that. Yeah. And that is the most beautiful segue into our final topic. Gosh, I I could talk to you probably for hours here, but let's talk (laughs) about the book. And I love the title. It's so amazing. The Extraordinary Unordinary You. Yeah. So knowing you now a little bit, you clearly wanted to make an impact on other people. What is the intention of the book? Yeah, really the intention is exactly that, that it's not, it's the stories are about me, but I'm an ordinary girl. So these stories could be anybody's stories. I've just made these choices in my life that have led me to these extraordinary moments. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at the title of the book, it's that we are all unique. So the extraordinary, unordinary you, because we're none of us, we're all ordinary. We're none of us are ordinary, right? We're all, because we're all unique, we're all unordinary and we all are, have extraordinary pieces to us. And we just have to realize that. And going back to really the underlying theme is all of these things that have happened in my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the sad, they were all because they were supposed to happen. Like everything happens. And then I look back and say, oh, that's why that happened. I met this person. I was on an interview earlier today and she was having technical issues and she was so apologetic. And I said, it's not a big deal. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. I mean, this life happens. So she said, can you come back in 15 minutes? And it was perfect because my daughter walked in the door right then. And I wouldn't have seen her right away because she had that. And then she had a class. So she walked in. So I was able to give her a big hug. And then I came back to do the show. So I said, it worked out exactly how it was supposed to, because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to see her for two more hours. But I think that, you know, all of them, the, the book is really, I talk about my my funny stories, my sad stories, really my life. And the reason 
I wanted to put it out there is because showing that everybody can make an impact on the world. You don't have to be the celebrity on stage. You don't have to be, you just have to be you. You don't have Mm -hmm. to be the huge philanthropist that is giving hundreds of millions of dollars. The little things you do every day impact Mm -hmm. the people around you. Yeah. That's what this podcast is about. You couldn't describe it better. Mm -hmm. How to be the real you, how to be proud of who you are, how to see Every failure, every challenge is an opportunity. How to keep learning and how to have a motivation to have a really positive impact on the world around you. And that doesn't require a title. It doesn't require a certain level in a hierarchy. It doesn't require you to be rich or or whatever it is. It is about connecting to who you truly are and approach every day with positivity and kindness. When you can't do that, well, have a support network around you to get you through it and to help you and to get that support that you need in that moment. And those are wonderful stories that you have shared with us that demonstrate what all the legendary leaders are about. Thank you so much, Simone. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. And yes, I could probably talk for two more hours. <laughs> yeah, come back is yeah. my offer. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. I have lots more stories. And by then I'll have a whole nother (laughs) slew of stories in this house. It's like, again, reality show. I just keep writing them down. (laughs) Oh, I I take you up on that. I promise. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Simone, before we let you go, however, uh, we would love to know where we can find out more about you, where we can find your book as well, please. So you can find me on my website, which is simonecanego.com. Last name is K-N-E-G-O. And I'm on all social media. So you can just search me. You'll find me. As of this day, I am the only Simone Canego in the world, at least on the internet. So I'm, again, I'm unique. So (laughs) if you you search me, you will find me. And my book is on Amazon and most online retailers. And there's different, different ones over in Europe as well. But Amazon is probably the easiest way to find it. So the extraordinary, unordinary you. And I would love to hear what you think. If you, if you read it, please reach out to me and and let me know. Because that's what matters to me. Yeah, please do. We always invite our listeners to share their feedback and their insights as well. They may resonate with some of your stories, right? So let's have a chat about it and build more human connections. Simone, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, to listen to you. I feel so energized and it's a little bit later here for me. Yeah, loving it. And I take a lot away from what you've shared here with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day, stay safe, and I will speak to you very soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.